Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, as we have our second Sunday in What We Believe series, uh, today we're going to explain God in 30 minutes. So everything you ever need to know about God, you're going to know in 30 minutes. I mean, as I was preparing for this message, I'm like, why did I agree to do this? I mean, how in the world are we going to explain the Trinity? How are we going to, I, I mean, we've been, I've been trying to figure that one out uh, my whole adult life. And uh, so I'm just going to, I'm going to focus on what scripture says, which is, that's always the great thing, right? That's where you should always begin. What does the Bible say? Uh, I did uh, have one of our staff members shared a little video clip uh, with me and and it helped me a little bit and uh, so I want to play this just to uh, show you uh, give you a little glimpse of how this might help us to begin to understand a little bit about the Trinity so uh, watch this for a moment well think of it this way here's a two-dimensional plane and then here's an object with three dimensions that's going to pass through the 2d plane Okay, right. From this perspective, the 3D objects above and below the plane. So now it makes sense. But imagine you were a 2D person stuck on the 2D plane. What would you see? I don't know. What would I see? Well, it would look like this. Oh, yeah. Okay. From this perspective, it looks impossible. It's one object and then, then two objects and then three. But in reality, they're all one, just not in a way you're capable of understanding. Now, let's take this whole thing as a visual analogy for how we experience God. So I like that phrase, we're not capable of understanding. (laughs) And that that helped me a little bit. But that 2D plane and the 3D plane helps me some to realize this is not an easy concept. And uh, but if we could easily understand that about holy God, well, There are some things that are very plain and some things that are very clear in scripture. You know, like for example, the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So whenever I hear it said of somebody, that's a wise person. And my immediate response is not if they don't fear God. I mean, they might have... uh, a lot of intellect, they may have a lot of smartness about them, but if they don't have a fear of a holy God, or maybe they don't even acknowledge there is a God, then they do not have anything near called wisdom. They just don't have it. Because a person who has wisdom begins with holy God. And, you know, as I read through scripture and read through scripture, everybody who encountered God what did they immediately do? They fell on their face. I mean, when Moses encountered God at the burning bush, he immediately fell to his face. Every situation, every encounter, even when someone encountered an angel, they knew they were in the presence of something way beyond them and they would just fall on their face. Um, you know, Adam and Eve were the only two that actually had that perfect relationship with God. They walked with him. They talked with him. They could see him. They had that perfect fellowship with God, that perfect relationship. And then they had to go and mess that up by 
becoming sinners, and you and I inherited that. Uh, we're, we have that original sin in our DNA, and, and, and then Jesus came and he restored that perfect relationship. Now, we don't experience it like Adam and Eve did, but we will. When we go to heaven, we will, re, we will experience the kind of relationship that Adam and Eve had before sin was a part of the, the world. So let's just begin to talk about how God has chosen to reveal himself and some of the characteristics. We, we cannot begin to touch on all of the characteristics, uh, but there are seven that I want to focus on. And, and uh, we only know these things simply because God revealed himself. We only know that there's a God because God revealed himself. If he had chosen never to have done that, how would you even know about him? So God revealed himself to us, and here's a couple of things that the Bible tells us. And, and so today we're, we're, we're focusing on God the Father, but that's a difficult thing to do. Um, next week we're going to focus on Jesus, and then we're gonna, the week after that on the Holy Spirit. So it's going to be hard to say just the Father, because as you saw in that illustration, the three are one. So I'm going to talk more about these characteristics of God so that we can understand more about what it is we believe and why we believe it. Number one, God is personal. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 5:26, can any living thing hear the voice of the living God from the heart of the fire as we did and yet survive? The living God, a voice that he speaks, he uses and he speaks. And many heard that voice just like Moses did. And, and, and so God is very personal and he deals with us on a personal level. The psalmist says, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord with my whole being, my body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God, the personal God. And Hebrews 10.31 kind of goes to the other end. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Terrible if you do not have a right relationship with him. Terrible if... You do not have a savior who has made it so you can have a personal relationship with this personal God. So God is a personal being and we get to have a relationship with that personal God. Secondly, God is spirit. I'm not talking about just the Holy Spirit, but he is spirit in uh, John four twenty four, it says, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, truth about who he is and being honest about who we are. But our spirit, little s worships God, big spirit, capital S, holy God. And the only way that... We even know him 
this personal God is that he chose to reveal himself in the flesh through his son Jesus so that we could actually relate to him. So God is spirit, God is personal, and if we're going to worship him, it has to come out of our spirit, not just our flesh. Oh, we can stand, we can raise our hands, and we can sing to him. That's an outward expression. But if we are going to truly worship holy God, then it has to come from within the spirit that we have in us, worshiping the, capital S, spirit. So what that suggests is this. You cannot fake it. <laughs> you, you have to worship him in spirit. Amen. Your being, who you are, deep within you. You cannot just sit in here and say or sing the words that are on the screen and call that worship if it does not reflect what's going on in your heart, in your spirit. So what we see on the outside when we worship together, it must be a mirror to what's going on on the inside of you, in your spirit. If it's not, you're just putting on a show for those around you. And that's meaningless. And God does not receive that. So what do you do about that? Well, I think you begin with prayer and you, as you're walking in these doors and, and you say, God, I'm about to enter into a time of worship of you and with you. And so may my heart be totally focused on you. Totally focused on you that it may be personal and may whatever comes out of my mouth just be a reflection of what's in my heart and what's in my soul and what's in my spirit. And you see, each of us kind of express it differently. Some of us can be very contemplative and we just kind of go into a quiet place. Some of us, we can't help but get excited about it and shout about it. Amen? Amen. That's right. <laughs> I mean, we, we just are getting so filled and so excited. We, we got to say something. We got to let it out. And, and, and one's not right and one's not wrong. You see, we're each different in that way. But what matters, what matters is your spirit is seeking to worship his spirit. That's what matters. So God is personal. God is spirit. God is holy. Isaiah gives a great description of this. It says in the year of King, uh, in the, uh, it was in the year that King Uzziah died. And this is Isaiah speaking. He said that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple Attending him were mighty seraphim, a type of angel, each having six wings. The only time we have mentioning of wings. about Everybody thinks angels all have wings. It's just only some of them. Um, with two wings, they covered their faces. 
With two, they covered their feet and with two, they flew. And they would fly over the throne of God. And they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Those seraphims are still doing that. They have been doing that for all eternity. They have not stopped. They've not taken a coffee break. They've not taken a vacation. They've not taken a timeout period. They have been doing that for eternity. And when you and I go to heaven, they will be there and we will see them as they continue to do that. They will declare as they have been and will continue to do so the holiness of God for all eternity. And then it says the whole earth is filled with his glory. Now, we don't always see that holiness manifested because we also see evil in this world. But God's holiness is still here, whether it's manifested or not. And so your job and my job is we allow this personal God, we allow his spirit, we invite his spirit and his holiness to fill the part of the earth that you and I are a part of. And we say, Lord, fill me and fill every place around me with your glory. Let my life be all about your glory. So here's what I want you to hear me say. Whenever you put the spotlight on you, the glory of God is not being manifested in your life. You cannot put the spotlight on you and on God at the same time. I mean, I think one of the reasons that these seraphims covered themselves was for the holiness of God, but it was also about, it's not about us. Don't look at us. This is about the one we're declaring holiness to. So maybe you need to take your wings and cover yourself and say, it's not about me. It's about the holiness of God. And may may my life be nothing but a declaration of the holiness of God. Not about how cool I am, how special I am. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Fourth, God is righteousness. Psalms 119 says, O Lord, you are righteous and your regulations are fair. In other words, you're God, you get to set the rules. You're God, all this belongs to you. And it's kind of like when I was raising my kids, one of the phrases I would say periodically was, because I said so. (laughs) And uh, God doesn't even have to say that. He doesn't have to say because I said so, because he's God. I mean, he has already said so. And that's why he gave us his word so we can know what his said so said. (laughs) 
and we are responsible for his say-so. And we have to follow. I mean, it doesn't matter whether we agree with it or not. And, and I mean, God didn't ask for an opinion. He didn't put out a survey to see if we're going to be okay with this. He didn't give the 10 suggestions. He gave the 10 commandments. He gave us his word and it's what he has said. And so he is righteous and his regulations are fair whether you like them or not. Because he's God. So the question is not whether you agree with what God says or not. What are you doing to adjust your life to what God said? That's the question. So start covering yourself up. And make it about holy God. Live your life in such a way that people see God's glory, not you. Number five, God is present. Matthew 28, Jesus said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And so now Jesus is saying, keep the commands because they're important. And I've given them to you, so you now give them to others. So parents, your job is to help your young people to understand what God has to say and his commandments And it's important that we are always declaring this is what God says. His commandments are what what matter. So now he's saying, when you have new Christians, make sure they know what the commands are and teach them to obey them because they matter. And the reason they matter is because God gave them to us. And just the mere fact that God gave them to us, that means it matters. And he says, and be sure of this. I love this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, he didn't put a footnote in there that said, I am with you always, except when I ascend into heaven and I'll be gone for a while, then I'll come back. No, he he said, no, I'm with you always. See, right now you can see me and the time's going to come. You cannot see me, but I'm still here. I'm still with you. Even to the end of the age, there is an end that's coming to the age that you and I are living in. The Bible calls this the church age. It was established when Jesus said these words. It was established and confirmed when the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus. That's when the church age started. That transaction, that transition between Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that's when the church age started. We are still living in that age, but that age will end at some point. And then that's called everybody come on home time. (laughs) And until that time, Jesus says, I'm with you. I'm with you when you're sick. I'm with you when things are great. I'm I'm with you when things are horrible. I'm with you when you understand and when you don't understand. I'm with you. I'm with you when you don't even walk with me. I'm still with you. I'm with you when you're disobeying me. I'm still with you. I'm with you every step of the way. So you need to call on me. Talk to me. And you know what? It's okay to say to Jesus, 
I really don't understand what I'm going through. I don't understand why I'm going through it. It's tough. But I know you're with me, which means I'll be okay. So God is present. Number six, God is able. In Psalms 33, it says, for when he spoke, the world began. Hmm. I think he knows how to do it. God is able. He can take care of things. It appeared at his command. Everything that you see appeared at just the words of holy God, at his command. And so when he says, I can do this and I will do this and I will hear your prayers, why do we not trust that? He's proven that he is able. In Psalms 115, it says, our God is in the heavens and he does as he wishes. And here's what he wishes, that you will have a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. That means God wishes that for you. I wish for you to have eternal life. I wish for you to have purpose and meaning in life. I wish more for you than you can imagine, and it's far more than you can imagine for yourself. That's what I wish for you. So God's able. The last one, and this is that double-edged sword. God is love, and God is wrath. He's both. 1 John 4, 8 says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So when you see someone who just cannot love people, you're seeing someone who does not know God. Because if God is in that person, God is love, and that person's going to, love's going to ooze out of that person. And and, uh, I'm not talking about loving the people that are easy to love. Anybody can do that. I'm talking about even the ones that are hard to love, like some of you. And like some people would say about you (laughs) or about me. God is love and therefore if you know God, love's going to flow out of you. But the other side of the coin, the other side of the sword is this, Romans 1. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful Wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. We see glimpses of God's wrath and judgment, but we have yet to feel the full force of it. And it's coming. And praise God. You and I will not be here when it shows up. But when it comes upon those who have rejected Jesus, there's no surviving that. No one can hide from God's wrath. No one can run from it. No one can flee from it. No one can bargain with God about it. And it's a horrible, horrible thing. God's full wrath 
did show up one other time. And that's when Jesus was on the cross. You see, when Jesus died for you and became sin, God's, every drop of God's wrath was poured onto Jesus for your sake so that you will never have to experience the wrath of God. But everyone who rejects Jesus, they will experience that full cup of God's wrath and they will not survive it. They will not. And they will be spending an eternity living in that wrath. Well, there's so many more things to be said about God. And I think it's very appropriate that we just take a moment worshiping this God, this holy God. And I've asked Jeremy to, for us to sing one of those old Baptist songs. It was always number one in our Baptist hymn book called Holy, Holy, Holy. So as they come to lead us in that, I want you to sing with full force to the glory of holy God, his holiness, his glory, his righteousness. Let's pray.